Good morning. Welcome to chapel. I have just a few announcements this morning. Pray for our friends in Florida. As wind and rain comes their way, the size of which I cannot imagine. So, we lift them in prayer. We pray also this day for Rabbi Bell and uh, Dr. Rose Aslan as they're up at PLTS assisting with a presentation today. We look forward to their safe return. You are side A. You are side B. There we go. You got that? We're good? Thanks to all of our worship assistants here in the front row, on the bench as well. We look forward to hearing your lustrous sound as well. Thank you for participating. With that, we stand and join in our invocation. God of love and, and all consolation, we come into your presence with grateful hearts. Maker and author of all living beings, we praise you singing with joy. Our hearts rejoice knowing that we are embraced by your everlasting love. God, our eternal comforter and refuge. Let us pray. Lord, our God, source of peace and love, may we feel and live in your love. May your love transform our hearts so that we may learn to love our neighbors as ourselves. We bring to you all our pains, tears, frustrations, anger, and confusion, knowing that you are the one who knows us, loves us, and comforts us. Send your peace and embrace us as your own. Amen. Today's reading comes from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, in the 29th chapter, beginning to read at the first verse. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Here ends the reading.
from my home. I've never been evicted, I've only once been evacuated, and I've never come back to find that my house was not there. And yet there are people in our nation and in our world who are facing that very fact, a forcing out of their homes, an eviction, an evacuation, a destruction, a people not at home, a very real physical exile. Any concept we have of God, of how God works in the world, of what God means in our daily lives, of God's care for history, must have a good word for people who are not at home, must affirm to them that they are known and loved. And so in our scripture this morning, we have exactly this, the situation of physical exile. In the 6th century BCE, the Israelites were picked up and moved from their home. They were taken away into the empire of Babylon. They were taken away from their daily livelihoods, from their beautiful gardens, from their positions of leadership. And they responded with lament. How can we sing your song, O God, in this foreign land? You see, everything they knew about themselves, everything they knew about home, everything they knew about God was connected to where they lived, to what their neighborhood was like, to who their family was, to what their community counted on them for. And all of their plans and all of their worship and their praise was connected to their home. And so the Psalms from this time, Psalm 137 and others, lament, how can we sing to you, O God? Are you even our God in a foreign land when we're not at home? And there's longing to go back home. And there's even desire for vengeance. Is it right, O oh God, for us to seek that our captors be defeated by you? And yet in the scripture we had today, God does not tell them, you're going home, folks. God does not tell them, I'm getting ready to fight on your behalf and put down your captors. No, the word of the Lord comes to them saying, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. Multiply there and do not decrease. All of these activities are investments in their future. Build a house that you can live there. Plant gardens that you can eat what they produce. Explore your families and expand them, multiply there. Their investments in a future that require confidence in God and also confidence in their very foreign neighbors. The word of God comes to them, you are known and loved, even in this foreign land. Even when the plans you had are dashed, even when you're not at home. And because I know you and love you here in a foreign land, you will find a new home. Now, I've never been in physical exile, as I said. And yet I've been in metaphorical exile many times. I've been in spiritual exile. 
And as I've come to be friends with Rabbi Bell, she has said that it's important for us to connect with exile in this way too, to be honest about the reality of our spiritual lives as well as our physical lives. And so perhaps it comes as no surprise to you that school was often a tough place for me, a place where all the messages I got were, you don't belong here, someone else is in charge, you are not at home. Some days it was as simple as that, but other days I was also ridiculed and belittled for my faith, made to feel unintelligent, backward, stupid, incapable of investing in the world. These were not great days for me, and they started before junior high. And I would go home on those days to my dad, and I would pour out my heart in as many words as I could, and I wanted nothing else than for him to know me and love me. And I knew exactly what I wanted his knowing and loving to look like. I wanted affirmation that I was okay, that I was showing our family in the best light, that I was standing up for what we believed in, that I was living right. But I also wanted him to say, because I love you, you never have to go back. You can stay here at home. I'll know you and love you, and we can be our family here. And you don't have to worry about those feelings of being not at home. But he didn't. He said, when you go into the class tomorrow, look at your classmates and try to figure out what they're good at. Have you ever stopped to think that every single one of your classmates is good at something? Could you be the one to see that? Could you even find a way to tell them what you see or to ask them to do what they're good at? And then he'd go further and he'd say, what can you all do together? I want you to focus tomorrow on what you can do together. And if you feel not at home, don't worry about that because you can do something together and it might take a while to find it and you might have to figure out how to use your words differently and translate them. You might have to talk about yourself and what you care about and your values differently so people can understand you. He never ever let me long for home for too long. He never ever let me seek vengeance. Instead, he taught me to invest in a future that expressed confidence in God and confidence in my neighbors, my classmates, that we could do something together. So here's the thing. The way this reading ends today, it says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now this word that's welfare here sometimes gets translated as peace. Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace, you will find your peace. Well, both of these words, welfare and peace, they're aiming at shalom. And it's a kind of peace that's not an absence of conflict and not a bland, calm, mild-mannered kind of nothing. 
It is instead a robust community that is invested in the future of its neighbors. When we say peace be with you to each other when we greet one another, we're saying something like, I want you to be, God wants you to be. And how can we be together? How can we share in shalom? And here's maybe the craziest thing about this passage. Not only that God's people in exile are known and loved, but that God knows and loves Babylon. God knows and loves the very people who took them into captivity, who told them they didn't belong, who stripped them from their homes. God wants the exiles and the captors to find peace together, to find shalom together. And as I've revisited this passage, a favorite of mine, and one that has given me hope many times when I have felt in spiritual exile, I've realized that it's time for me to sometimes realize I'm Babylon. And that I, because of who I am and how I've been raised and the kinds of privileges I have, I'm often the person who signals to others, you're not at home, you don't belong here. I don't wanna be that person, I don't wanna be in that place, and yet I take courage that God knows and loves the people with privilege, the captors, as well as the exiles, and that God's word to us is to invest in a future that takes all of us to work toward shalom and to live together. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Loving God, we come into your presence aware of our human frailty and yet overwhelmed by your love. We thank you that there is no human experience that we might walk through where your love cannot reach us. If we climb the highest mountain, you are there. And yet if we find ourselves in the darkest valley of our life, you are there. Teach us always to love you more and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to rest in your love that asks nothing more than the simple trusting heart of a child. Amen.